See, I, I hate questions like that. That's why I asked you. Um, no, I, I always hated those questions where you had to like pick one thing. I, I hate choosing. I like, I like everything, you know. And, but I feel like that question in particular was one that was all through middle school and high school. It was like one of those like guaranteed questions that somebody's going to ask you as part of like get to know you things. And so I would like think about it and try to like come up with a good answer ahead of time. Like, what's my answer? Who's my hero? And I have an answer now. And, and part was that all growing up, I love stories. I love hearing stories, and I, I love specifically, I love tall tales. And so when I was growing up and, and wrestling with those questions, when I realized that one of my favorite tall tales was actually a real person, like it, it, it settled it for me. I, I had the answer to my question. So anytime that question came up, I could quickly and confidently say, John Chapman. That's my hero, John Chapman. You guys don't know John Chapman. You do. You just don't realize it. Johnny Appleseed. There he goes. Johnny Appleseed was, was my hero, and I loved hearing stories about Johnny Appleseed. John Chapman, this, this real, real guy who went out and planted apple trees all over the, of the, the western frontier, right, which is everything east of us. <laughs> Right here in the middle of the country, all Easter, right? But he went out into the, the wilderness and he played, and it, it wasn't the apples, right? I'm from Washington, like our state rivalry football game is the Apple Cup, right? It's, it's not the apple thing. It's not, you guys have heard me lots of times talk about the fact that I love going out in the wilderness. I love being in the outdoors. And it wasn't that, that, that Johnny was this guy who traveled out into the wilderness and, and carved out these clearings and, and planted out. It wasn't that. Now I was trying to think about what was it about this guy that, that made me just fall in love with him and, and, and get to the point where I could be like, that's my hero. And I think what it boiled down to is that, that in spite of all the crazy things he did, right, that this guy who, who headed out west ahead of the, the pioneers and, and cleared clearings, and worked, he worked so hard to, to create these clearings where he could then plant apples from seed, Right? He would go to cider mills and get all these free seeds and head off into the wilderness. He'd plant all those seeds, and then he'd protect them, and he'd nurture these gardens of growing apple trees. So he'd, he'd have to build up with, with down trees. He'd have to build fences around to protect them. And I can't imagine in the midst of the woods like how he was able to protect them. We've got these two little apple trees in our yard that we planted six years ago. And this summer, they find that we got three apples coming. And then a deer ate them this week. I live like three blocks from the library downtown, and a deer got my apples. But Johnny somehow protected these trees, right? He worked so hard to care for them time and time again. He, he traveled light, and he was known for his kindness and all these things. But what was it about him that, that attracted me to him and, and made me think of him as somebody I would call a hero? And I think it boiled down to this thing that he was faithful. You knew what he was going to do. Every, all the pioneers, they headed west. They had heard stories about him. And they knew that as they headed west and started to, to carve out land for themselves to settle, one of the requirements is that they had, to, they had to plant an orchard. They had to plant an orchard to prove that they were settling on the land in order to claim it. And how do you get a whole bunch of trees with you as you travel west? Well, you show up and there's a guy selling trees from nurseries that he's carved out of the land. And he cared for people and he provided for them. 
He was faithful. You knew that he was going to be there. And that was the thing that just attracted me to this character. And so I love reading stories about Johnny Appleseed. And and so when uh, Ross uh, told me that that the, the little fruit that we picked for faithfulness was an apple, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Because apples have nothing to do with faithfulness, even though there's this like very slight connection that I've now made through Johnny Appleseed. But no, it's, we picked these fruits because they're a reminder for you that, that this week, after the service today, any time this week when you pick up an apple or you, you have an apple, it can be a reminder of this fruit that God produces within us. And again, that's the, the piece is we're working our way through the fruit of the Spirit. We say this each and every week. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. They're not individual things that you don't just pick and choose. I'm, I've got these three, three things out of, of all of them, but know that, that God through his spirit, produces all of these in us as we learn to submit to him and walk with him in obedience. And that's what we're, we're doing each of these weeks. We're looking at them. So today we're going to look at faithfulness. We're going to look at what it means for us to be faithful as the Holy Spirit produces that in our lives as we follow him. And so Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the spirit. Uh, you guys should know, don't even turn there, all right? We've been talking about this for weeks on end. You guys should have this down, right? I know students in the room, you guys have been learning this too, so you know this, right? We're going to try it and say it together. This is pop quiz. Ross will probably do this next week, so I'm just, this is really just practice for you guys, all right? Think you can do this, all right? So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kind, oh, we're doing good. Kind of faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Guys, that was amazing. I know those of you at home online, you did that perfect. Good job. All right, you guys in there, this is good, right? We, and, and again, if you don't know, that's fine, right? The point of this isn't to prove how good we are, but that we want to continue to learn these things as we learn to follow Jesus and he produces them in us. So we're going to talk about faithfulness today. So we have to answer that, that question of what faith is. So we're today going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11. So if you guys want to turn there, we're going to, we're going to open that up in a minute. So Hebrews chapter 11, if you're using one of the chair Bibles in front of you, that should be on page 974. If you're looking at my Bible, it's page 1040. I'm not sure about yours, but <laughs> turn to Hebrews chapter 11. It's near the end. Uh, we're going to be looking at Hebrews 11 because we're given this this list and this example of, of what faith is. We're going to look at what God's Word says about faith. But in, in preparation for this, looking at what faithfulness is, it, it means that, that you're full of faith. That's it. Faithfulness, full of faith. All right, so clearly then we have to answer the question, well, what is faith? Right? If, if faithfulness is somebody who's full of faith, what does it mean to have faith? I love uh, Tim Keller in talking about the fruit of the Spirit said faithfulness. This is the way he defined faithfulness. It's loyalty, courage, to be utterly reliable and true to your word. Its opposite is to be an opportunist, a friend only in good times. And its counterfeit is to be loving but not truthful. So you are never willing to confront or challenge. So what is this idea of faith? What does it mean to have faith? To be true to your word, to be loyal and reliable. But really, as we we look at God's word, what what faith demonstrates is, is this confident hope. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for 
and assurance about what we do not see. That faith is this confidence in what we hope for. The thing that that hope isn't this like wishful thinking, but hope is that confident certainty. And so faith is being certain of what is to be and being confident in the things that we can't even see. So the question is, well, how do you do that? Right? How do we have faith in what we, what we can't see? How do we have certainty? How do we have confidence in what is told is going to happen? And, and it all comes down to this fact that, that God is faithful. That he is utterly reliable and true to his word. But I love Hebrews chapter 11 because not only does it give us this definition of faith, that this is what faith is, is this, this certain hope, this certain confidence in what's going to happen, and this, this, ho- this certainty in what we cannot see, that God is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's what faith is. And now to help you, here's a list of human examples. Here's a list of examples of, of, of people who have lived by faith. And really, Hebrews chapter 11, the rest of it, starting in verse 4 all the way through chapter 12, verse 1, we, we get this whole list of examples. And, and I love it. In, in chapter 12, verse 1, it starts out, it says, since we have, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Here is the example of all the people who have gone before us who have set an example for us in faith. And then it starts to go through them by faith, Abel. Brought God a better offering. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so they did not experience death. By faith, Noah went more again and again and again. And I'm not going to read through the entire chapter, but I want to look at a handful of these examples. The people who live by faith. The examples given to us of people who demonstrate what it means to live by faith. So starting in verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. God tells Noah to build a giant boat. And what's Noah do? He builds a giant boat. Day by day, year by year. As you read the account in Genesis, this wasn't like a, a, a couple-month project. This was, this was a century-long project right, of building this giant ark to save his family. He trusted that God, God said something's going to happen, and so I'm going to start working today to prepare for it. And, and he did it, and he saved his family. Jump down to verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And God, God speaks to Abraham and says, leave everything you know and follow me and I'm going to give you some land as an inheritance. And what does Abraham do? Packs up his family and heads west. He put his faith in action and he obeyed. And he trusted God. Sarah, his wife, By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she she considered him faithful who had made the promise. God made a promise that that he was going to bless Abram and Sarah with a child. And that through that child, it was going to become a great nation and all nations would be blessed through him. And so even though she was well past childbearing age, she had a child. 
And she trusted God. Skipping down to Moses. Moses, who by faith was obedient and went and confronted Pharaoh and led the Israelites out of Egypt. Again, Egypt, the the greatest superpower on earth at the time. And he leads a nation of slaves out through the power of God. And obediently led them through the wilderness to the promised land. Moses led by faith. And then even down at the end, when it just starts listing names without context, it, what, time, what more shall I say? I did not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David. David, a man after God's own heart, a, the, the youngest boy, the shepherd boy become king who faced Goliath, who led Israel to its greatest point of power and influence, a man who, who loved God with all his heart. He walked by faith. So name after name after name were given examples of faith. People who lived out what it means to be faithful. But here's the problem. As we look closely at this list, we're given this list of people who live by faith, but when we look closely at it, here's the problem we run to. Every single one of these examples are flawed. And not just flawed, like extremely flawed. Right? When you start to actually look at this list, it's not pretty. So again, just looking at the ones that, that we already pulled out, Noah, the faithful man who built the ark, who obeyed and saved his family and, and all of humanity. Genesis chapter 9, he's a drunk. What's the first thing he does after he gets off the ark? He plants a vineyard and gets drunk. There's our, there's our faithful hero. What about Abram, faithful father of the nation, the man who who obeyed God and went where he told him? Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 20, we see the example of here's here's a coward. When fearing for his life, he lies and says, oh, that's not my wife, that's my sister. I'm afraid you're going to kill me, so just take her. He's a coward. Sarah, the lady who trusted God and was able to have a child. Read in Genesis chapter 16, and we see a woman filled with pride. That even though God made a promise and she doesn't see it coming in the way that she expects, she says, well, if God's not going to do it, I can do it. She takes matters into her own hands. She takes her (laughs) servant and gives him to her husband and says, we're going to do God's will our way. We're going to make it happen. Jacob, hard to pick which one, but I just picked Genesis chapter 27, which is the story when he deceives his father to get the birthright, but his entire life, as you read the story of Jacob, here's a liar. Couldn't trust a thing he said. And here's the man whose name gets changed to Israel, and he's the father of the nation. Moses, the faithful leader of of Israel. Read Numbers chapter 20, when he gets fed up, he just loses his temper and he gets angry. He takes credit for God's miracle, and instead of obeying God, he hits the rock and brings water out and disobeys God and just loses his anger. David, 
the man after God's own heart, the faithful king. Again, read 2 Samuel chapter 11. We see an adulterous murderer. And if you want to have more fun, read to the end of his life and see David's failure as a father and the mess that his family became because he didn't do what he was called to do as a father. Every example that we have is flawed. Didn't mean to make this morning so somber. Sorry, guys. But here, here's the good news. When we look at that, right, we, li- we look through this, this list that God gave us in Hebrews chapter 11. Here are all these heroes of the faith, right? It, they're faithful men and women, but they're flawed. Because here's the reality as we look at it, every single one of us is flawed. The one exemption is that Christ is our perfect example. Right, and so when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, we see flawed human, flawed person, flawed person, flawed person, flawed person, who failed, who failed, who failed, who failed, and yet they're considered faithful because of Jesus. Really, Hebrews chapter 11 is a resume of God's faithfulness in spite of flawed people, in spite of humans who were unable to do what God called them to do. God remained faithful, and he redeemed, and he restored, and he recovered time and time and time again. As we read through all of the Bible, it points to the faithfulness of God in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our failure. This whole thing wraps up as you read to the end of this list and we get into chapter 12. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, look what it says in verse 2, Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. He went to the cross for the joy set before him because of what he knew was going to be accomplished. The fact that he was in the process of redeeming all of creation to himself of creating a way for you and me and for all the people we read about in the story to be made right with God, he endured the cross. Christ is our perfect example. And so as we do read through the whole story of the Bible, we see God's faithfulness on display again and again and again. Because you see, God is faithful. And the sermon guy, you can find it online or in in paper form here in the building. But the sermon guy this week, there's, there's some verses for you to look up as you reflect on what does it mean that the very character and nature of God is that he is faithful. He cannot change. He never lies. What he says he will do, he does. He cannot change. He cannot go against his word. For him to do that would, would negate his very nature of God. In his very character, in his very nature, God is faithful. And so as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we talk about faithfulness being produced in us. What does that mean? Well, the only reason it happens is because we serve a God who is perfect and faithful, who is the perfect example for us. And so what should our response be? What should our response be to a perfectly faithful God? 
I, I tell this to my kids all the time, and so then when I read God's word that says it, I, I'm not so fond of it. But what should our response be? To obey. Our response to a perfectly faithful God is, is to acknowledge that he's God and we're not, and so he calls the shots, and so we submit to his authority, and we do what he says to do. And we recognize that we can be faithful because he is perfectly faithful. So what is faithfulness? Here's, here's a great definition of faithfulness. Frederick Nietzsche said this, that faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. Right? Faithfulness is this process of obeying, but not just sporadically here and there, but long obedience in the same direction. I'm fixing my eyes in this direction. I'm heading this way step after step. Obedience day after day, long obedience in the same direction. It's what we're called to be, and we're faithful not because of our own ability, but because it's shown through us as we surrender and submit to God. Now, here's the encouraging thing is that we look at the fruit of the Spirit, that it is faithfulness, not fruitfulness. We're not judged on our ability to be productive and effective. We are called to be faithful and obedient. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to be faithful. Again, long obedience in the same direction. Now here's the, the, the good news in all of this. Is that we can not do this on our own. Right, and here's the hope that we have. is that you, you guys, if you're honest with yourself, you know yourself. You know that you, like all the other Examples we see listed here are flawed. That you are incapable of, of doing this on your own. Now, I love this, that if you have been to Hope Church more than once in the past 25 years, you've probably heard Pastor Matt reference Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Yeah, he, he brings it up, it seems like, all the time. I love this verse. I love Ephesians 2 because it paints such a great picture of the gospel that we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by faith, and it's not from ourselves. Even the faith that we have, it's not something that we even can produce on our own. It's a gift that God gives us. The ability to trust in Him for our very salvation is a gift from God. And so I'm so thankful to be at a church where, where we have been reminded of that fact week in and week out, that we are all flawed humans who have been loved by a perfect God who calls us into relationship with him, to walk in obedience with him. And so as followers of Jesus, we're not, again, perfect people who show up here on Sundays and celebrate how awesome we are. We come on Sundays and we're reminded of our sin and our need for a Savior, and we learn to walk in obedience, learning to imitate a God who loves us and has saved us and rescued us and called us into relationship with Him. And we've been blessed for the past 25 years by a <laughs> Pastor Matt, a man who has demonstrated long obedience in the same direction. Right, who hasn't said, look at how great I am, but who reminds us constantly, look at Jesus. Look at how he loves us, and let's chase after him together. It's faithfulness. Now, 
The fruit of the Spirit is what God produces in us as we learn to walk in step with Him and allow Him to work through us. So here's the thing I want us, before we get to just applying this to our lives, here's the thing that I want us to keep reminding. We, we almost need to say this all the time, right? As we look at the fruit of the Spirit, here's the things that, that we see. We look at the fruit of the Spirit, and as I look at it, I'm honest with myself, and I'm like, man, I don't measure up. I'm messing up in all these different areas. Yeah, that's right. I don't measure up. Neither do you. We've got work to do. And I don't want you leaving here with this mentality of like, okay, I've got to work on this and this and this and this. What we need to work on is surrendering to God, to walk in obedience, to allow him to work through us. I, I, I love this, this imagery. I, I heard Alistair Begg, who's a, a great Scottish preacher, he, he used this analogy that I love so much. Like, we all know what a fruit tree looks like, right? You look at the tree and you can see, like, my apple tree pre-deer this week, right? You can look at it and here's these three apples growing. It's, it's perfect. It's natural. This is what God designed it to do. It's producing fruit, right? And the opposite of that is something I also love a whole lot, and it's called a Christmas tree, right? And every year we go out and we cut one down and we put it up in our yard and we, in our yard, we put it in our house. I don't know about you. Right? We put it up in our house and we cover it with all these like little knickknacks that we've collected over the years, yeah, I love Christmas trees. They're wonderful. They're beautiful. We should stop talking about Christmas because it's June. But here's the reality. You can look at those two trees and you can tell which one's genuine and which one's a fake. And here's what I don't want you to do. I want you to leave here and think about, oh, I need to, I need to add all these things to my life because I don't, I don't look like everybody else. I, I, need to, I need to be this counterfeit. I need to start acting more kind or I need to go out of here and I need to be faithful so that people know what, no. We need to go and surrender day by day. Because again, Here's what it boils down to. The best we have to offer on our own is nothing. And so we show our faithfulness when we do what God says. It all comes back to obedience. And the same thing is true of all the fruit of the Spirit, that as we walk in obedience and submission to the Holy Spirit, He produces these things in us. And it's as simple as taking the next step. Oftentimes we think about this, this end game of, okay, uh, to be faithful means this, and so how do I get there from here? It's just what's the next step of obedience? You can ask that question, God, what's the next thing that I need to do in order to follow you? What are you calling me to obey you in right now? And then the obvious follow-up question, God, help me do it. Because on my own, I can't. God, help me to obey. And as we obey, as we walk step in step with the Holy Spirit, he will begin to produce within us the fruit so let me give you a couple of simple first steps, right? And hear me closely. When I say simple, I'm not saying easy. These are simple but very hard. Things to obey from God's word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, we live in a culture that's always telling us to love ourselves, and that's great, but we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So as much as you love yourself, make sure you're loving the people around you and, and then have fun reading God's word to define what your neighbor is because it's everybody. And if you want to get specific, here's another one. 
Love your enemy. How about this one? Forgive one another. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. What is it that God's telling you to do that you need to obey in? What's that next step of obedience? Because as we look at the people around us, we look at other people who are examples of, of people who are chasing after Jesus. They're not perfect. They didn't get there on their own. They're taking another step of obedience because on their own, in their own ability and power, they're flawed humans just like you and me. They're sinners who needed a Savior to rescue them. And they're learning to walk in obedience to him. Guys, imagine what this would look like if we did this as a church. We learn to walk in obedience day after day. If each and every one of us take another step of obedience, we're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. But as we do that, people will begin to take notice. And not take notice of us like, wow, what an amazing church. They're such great people. Their, their pastors must be awesome. No. Look at, look at Jesus. The best I can ever be and the best I ever want to be is a mirror that reflects the goodness of God to the world around me. My desire is for all of us to do that, to chase after Jesus. And as we do, guys, our culture has set a bar really, really low in this area of faithfulness. What would it mean that if we became people who the Holy Spirit produced faithfulness in? Man, we would be the best husbands and wives. We would be the best examples of marriage that people could see Jesus as they see the way that we love one another. We would be the best friends. We would be the best employees, the best employers, right? Constantly pointing people to Jesus. It's not in my own ability. I'm learning to walk in obedience and submission to the Holy Spirit who has called me to himself. I'm learning to walk in obedience to a God who loves me and who is perfectly faithful. As we wrap up uh, our time together, I, I, I want us to be reminded of this, that, this, again, this is not something that we can do on our own. We're, we're saved not because of our own ability and our own uh, perfection, our own ability to walk in obedience to, to God's rules. I know we're saved by a God who loved us and who died in our place. And that hope that we have is certain because that God who rescued us is faithful and true and can never change and will never change. So, if we look back in, in Hebrews chapter 10, turn back a page. Starting in verse 19, here's, here's this call to perseverance. It's called it to, to stand together in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we have confidence that we can go right into the throne room of God because of Jesus and the fact that he died in our place. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We can cling to the hope that we have in God's word because God is faithful and he will not change and his promises will come true. And so what is our response to all that? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. As the church, as followers of Jesus, let's chase after him. Let's ask those questions. Man, what is the next step of obedience as I learn to walk in submission to the Holy Spirit? What is God calling me to do as I grow in my relationship with him? How do I cling to the hope that I have that, that I am saved, not because of me, but because of Jesus? And, and because of that, how can I encourage one another? How can we as a church chase after Jesus together? Grow to know him and honor him with all of our lives and point people to the hope that we have. That's what we're called to be as a church. That what it, that's what it means for us to have faithfulness in our lives because the Holy Spirit is producing that in us. Church, let's be people who, quite simple, we obey God's word. We learn what it means to say, Jesus, I want to take another step with you. Help me to do that. Let's point people to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth that, that you love us. That you love us so much that you are willing to die in our place, that, that, that even though we are flawed, even though we are screwed up, you, you were willing to go to the cross for us. And on the cross, you said, I love you this much. And you died in our place so that you could make a way for us to be with you. Jesus, help us to, to learn to submit to you, knowing that you are faithful and true, that you never change, that, that you are calling us into a deeper relationship with you, that we would, we would learn what it means to take another step in obedience. That you would show us what you're calling to do and that, that by your spirit you would give us the ability to do that. And through that you would begin to develop within us the fruit of faithfulness. Not for our good, but for your glory, that all people would know how great you are. And we would continually point people to the hope that we have in you. Jesus, we thank you and we worship you today. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing our closing song? If it all
after a God who loves us and is faithful and has made a way for us to be in relationship with Him. And so as a church, our desire again is to take another step of obedience and another step of obedience to continue to point people to the hope that we have. And so as we leave this morning, I want to encourage you here in the building, we've got some apples and treats for you so you can go and grab some of those. We encourage one another as we look for ways to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And if you're joining us online, go find an apple. All right, but, but no, just throughout these, these coming weeks, man, every time that we see an apple, what a, a great reminder of the faithfulness of God to us and, and what we're called is as the Holy Spirit will produce that fruit in us. I would encourage you to come and join us next week. Pastor Ross is going to be walking us through gentleness. What, is, what does it mean when the Holy Spirit produces gentleness in our lives as we walk in obedience to Him? Let's pray as we wrap up our time together. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us, for your faithfulness. God, that you have rescued us, that you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you. God, may we May we learn to walk in obedience to you. May you produce faithfulness in us as we follow you. And God, may we continually point people to the hope that we have in you. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.